When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Scoutcast. My name is Joe. My name is Seb. My name is Ted. Welcome everyone. Um, Seb, what is coming up on the show? Well, Everton are top of the next four season ticker. So we're going to have a little look at them and see who we should be targeting after the uh, loss to, or the draw I should say. Felt like a lost draw with Leicester last night. Dean was playing on the left wing, so he's in contention. Maybe some other attacking defenders can be uh, looked at as well. And we have Ted with us, of course who uh, is going to bring a load of interesting graphics, which, frankly, if you don't mind me saying, mm. I think are uh, possibly some of the best on the scene. So I'm going to shut up for half an hour. We, of course, will catch up with how we're doing in our uh, game week so far. It's nearly over, although we do have the, uh, the match on here, so excuse us if we shout. We'll frisk the fixtures coming up after that. Ted will pick a differential after, I think we've gone pretty well recently, apart from Maddie Cash. And we will, of course, reveal our transfer plans and captaincy plans for the weekend. Indeed, yes. Um, there's a small matter of Spurs taking on Liverpool uh, tonight. Um, I definitely need some points, as we'll see in a moment. Um, so I'm hoping for some goals or assists from Kane, Salah and Mane. Um, there was an offside goal just before we came on air. We all got very excited. Uh, we all thought Son points, Kane points, but um, alas, offside. So um, we move on. So how are we doing so far? Ted, you can go first. Um, you've got 62 points. And for the benefit of those listening on the podcast, uh, you've got Martinez in goal. Cancelo, over 17 points. Chilwell, Dallas, and then Gundogan, or Gundogan, as I should say. I was reminded last week. Um, Rafina uh, on 13 points. Uh, Fernandez captain, four points. Son playing tonight. Salah playing tonight. So it could be more points coming. Antonio and Bamford and a grand total of four points on your bench so well done on your bench um better than me <laughs> and Seb this week so yeah 62 points <laughs> minus four so 58 in total so far more to come hopefully um you must be pretty yeah. delighted with that yeah pretty pretty delighted after a pretty poor double game week so um happy to bounce back a little bit um the two transfers I made were uh KDB and Balbuena out for Cancelo and Gundogan so really decent transfers mm. uh, netted me a huge amount of points um you know right timing um i've really suffered without the city defense in the past it seems so popular to double up or even triple up so getting cancelo in at the right time and, and for him to get his long awaited attacking returns was great news mm. great news um rafinha 13 points was a another another bit of a yeah. hero which is um he he Really impressed against Newcastle. He's the right. He's the right Leeds attacker to have at the moment. It seems. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to yeah, we're going to discuss Bamford mm. at some point, aren't we? So, um, yeah, we'll come to that later. But yeah, Fernandez. I think we all pretty much captain Fernandez. It was, he was a very, very mm. highly owned captain yeah. this week. And um, you know, if you weren't original, if you if you wanted to just cover the effective ownership, then it punished us all because it wasn't he wasn't the right captaincy option. So. There we well, go. Well, I, I went for him because I just thought he was 
going to get the most points out of everyone I had. Um, yeah. And, yeah. But um, it wasn't to be. <laughs> it just shows how important effective ownership is, like yeah. how much of an influence it is. Because mm. if you've got an original thought about who you want to captain, someone you know interesting someone different mm -hmm. if you know about effective ownership it's enough to drag you back in and go you're going to really get punished if you, if you don't call it right this week i will say there was an interesting discussion on twitter mm -hmm. around this sort of subject and i think i said i like to be boring with my captain always by boring i don't mean effective ownership i think that's kind of a red herring a lot of the time effective ownership only really matters if your players score the same number of points mm. now of course we don't know they're going to score the same points so yeah we predict and we take that into our calculations with risk but realistically, if you've got a standout option, doesn't matter how owned, how owned they are. But when I say boring, I will just go for the player that I think is going to score the most points in my team, regardless. Now, of course, there are biases in there. Gundogan being cheap is maybe one that puts you off. I don't own Gundogan. Mm. I do own Cancelo, who I made my vice captain. Mm. I went for Fernandez. It wasn't the right outcome, but hey, outcome bias. I well, don't. Well, let's put let's it. put your team up so people can see um, yeah. what choices you had there. You had Martinez in goal, Stones, Cancelo. It was your vice captain Robertson, who's playing tonight. Um, Saka, Son, Fernandez, captaincy, um, uh, as you said, with uh, Salah, Antonio, Watkins, Bamford. Is that that cheap, effective forward front line or half, two thirds effective <laughs> so far? Um, yeah. And Suchek on the bench, um, Sanchez with a clean sheet on the bench as well. I know. Don't remind um, me of goalkeepers. Is that and points from Kilman as well? So. Yeah. That's a, I didn't, actually, have, I didn't actually realise that. I, 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 I am a fellow Suchek bencher as well. But yeah, I didn't notice that's actually 27 points. So you <laughs> could have had a monster haul, but it's, it's still pretty good yeah. with 53. I mean, yeah, talking about trying to predict outcomes, mm. I will bench boost in a double. Um, unless the single is too good to turn down, mm. it just seems like, why would I take that risk? And um, yeah, so on captain, as you can see, mm. I, I went Fernandez. Yeah. Maybe I should have gone Cancelo, you know, based on the output. And maybe I missed an opportunity there. I could have been a bit braver, but... The way I like to look at my team is I want double figures from my captain before mm -hmm. the captain is played. So 10 points, double to yeah. 20. I looked at my team and thought there's only one player there who I would back to do that this week. Cancelo, clean short, clean sheets, mm. sure, locked in and decent involvement, yeah. but not like Fernandez is. And if we look at last night as well, speaking of outcomes, mm. Gundogan's XGI last night was 0.42. He had two shots and scored two goals. Uh, Bruno Fernandez's was 0 0.79, got mm. nothing. Now, that's very close. And of course, in a one match thing with even under, you know, one XGI, it's massive variance. But it's not as clear cut as people will make you maybe yeah, It depends think how, how many stats. I mean, I know part of that debate that was going on on Twitter today, I saw, you know, the interesting points about, about looking at stats. And in, usually you want, you want as much data as you possibly can. So you want to have, you know, over a season, two seasons, three seasons worth of data, you know, to point to the players like, say, Salah, etc., and see how they're comparing at the moment, whether they're on on par, um, you know, and how they've done over a period of time in particular roles. But in FPL, we don't have that luxury because oh, by the time absolutely. you've got a season data, the season's finished and you've got to move on to the next one. Yeah, someone, I can't remember, it might have been someone at work said to me the other mm. day, it was like, statisticians would laugh at looking at the last four or six game weeks. But like you say, by the time you have a suitable sample size, yeah. that was two years ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah you, you just can't do that. And that, that's what we're constantly doing. That's why I often show stats for the last four matches, last six matches. Um, teams have played differently, so we can't do game weeks as such to compare um, different teams. But yeah, it's not ideal, but that's what we have to go with, unfortunately. Yeah, so, I think... 
I think the best marry off is actually because we're forced to use short term form mm. stats, maybe the last six and last four game weeks, but mm. you also have to apply some context to it with long term tendencies, yeah. such as things like uh, Vardy likes to score big chances or Bamford likes to miss big chances or <laughs> um, stuff like that. And you go, well, okay, Bamford's got 10 big chances in the last mm. four apply the long-term tendency of he's going to make maybe two, two or three, and you just you just judge your, your players yeah. like that. And I mean, um, you know, form is such a nebulous thing. It only seems to happen in hindsight. It's hard yeah. to predict beforehand. Something I like to try and do is take, when we've got enough of a season gone, look at the overall stats for the whole season, mm. then last six, then last four, and you can see some trends. Maybe you can't see anything definitive, but if I can see a player climbing that table... I know maybe he's been improving or declining yeah. and that's can help me make my well, I mean, I think Calvert-Lewin is a good example of that. He decided to appear last season at the top of certain tables and it, it wasn't sustained. It wasn't like there was a, there was a dip towards the end of the second, uh, towards the end of the season. But nevertheless, he was showing hope. And then, and then we're getting these comments from Ancelotti, which you can marry up with manager quotes and news. And he's basically comparing him to Inzaghi and saying he's... Did he say he's better than him or something ridiculous? Um, but, he, but basically, the manager is backing him as, as, as an absolute world-class top striker. And we have seen at the beginning of the season, what was it, 10 goals, 10 starts, something? Something like that, yeah. 10 goals in, in 12 starts. Huge And not horribly goals. overperforming his numbers. No. I mean, naturally... He was overperforming, as you will, when you're informed, but it wasn't it wasn't outstanding. So we were seeing a glimpse of that last season. We saw it come to fruition at the beginning of the season. That's exactly that sort of example. Um, we've also seen that, I guess, with Danny Ings in that same sort of bracket. Yeah. It's like, okay, we know he's been good, but can he can he can he keep going without the injury? Oh, he can. Oh, he is still good, and you know we're getting that data. But it sometimes it you know you don't see it for. For weeks, I mean, I, I mean, I guess you know, looking back in history of FPL, one of the best best examples was Leicester's title-winning season. Um, now, in the um, Fancy Football Scout Moderators League, um, Andy, who's a Leicester fan, um, went for Mares from the off. I think he even captained him. I think he was zero point zero five percent owned. I mean, he was. People had barely heard of Mares. Um, and, and no one was thinking of captaining him. Very f- few people might be thinking of captaining Vardy. But it took months for people like myself and other to think, hang on a minute, I'm going to captain this guy. Not, no, it's not necessarily because he's cheap. It's not bias about price. It's, it's just like I don't really, I don't really know Mares. I know I haven't. It's not a player I've relied on before. And can I? And and it takes a while. It takes a while. I will Definitely say that. Does, yeah. oh, please, after you, Ted. Sorry, I was just going to say that if you haven't heard of the player and you see the stats, you you just see, oh, he's going to regress. That's he's not going to last. And it takes a while. It takes time to build up confidence in someone's performance, someone's ability. So, yeah, completely see that. I'm sure it's the same with Aaron Ramsey in that season and Yaya Toure. Is is that what you're going to say? That was exactly the example. (laughs) I was was going to say that traditionally, traditionally, I, I have my poorer seasons, I find when unexpected or unsustainable things seem to sustain. So Aaron Ramsey being perfect example, just did not pick him in anywhere near enough time, suffered badly. Leicester season, I can't remember where I finished, but it wasn't great because I just, you know, I looked at that and thought, nah. And then by the time it was, you know, but by, by the time it became obvious, it was too late for me to get on board. Yeah, yeah. definitely. This is but, great. I was just going to say, because it's avoiding me talking about my team. So I was going to say, if, 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 I, if I may, Joe, I just want to touch yeah, on one last thing do. on my team. Talk away. Just as a sort of, just as a, 
I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> just as the, um, thank you. Just as the sort of counter to me sort of thinking my Fernandez decision was well backed up, but mm. clearly not a good outcome. And I've seen people say you should do Gundogan. I don't have him, so not an option. I could have had Gundogan if I had done KDB to Gundogan. I went Son, and we talked about this last mm. time. Gundogan, we thought best city option. Son, probably best overall option. If he'd scored a minute ago, it was offside. Maybe I feel a bit differently, outcome bias. Yeah. But I think rather than the match between Son and Gundogan, the mistake I actually made, which I only occurred to me probably the next day, is I now can't do Bamford to Kane very easily. I probably should have gone KDB to say Gundogan or any of those millions of mm. midfielders we talked about. I think I had slight de decision fatigue with it and just went with Son without really thinking it through. And you, now I'm you... going to struggle to grab Kane. You weren't the only one. I really struggled to make my transfers this week uh, and ended up with Gundogan because of the stats, even though, as we were talking about with Mares, I wasn't overly convinced that even though he had five goals in the last seven matches, I was going, surely from a pivot role, he can't go on and, and just score every week. But uh, I've just gone with the stats. And um, he, he was exceptional against uh, West Brom. He was he was the best player on the pitch, in my view. Um, but the point is that your decisions weren't bad decisions. On paper, Son was the, the most obvious pick and the most likely. They were likely to have a double game week in, uh, in 26. So it was sensible to load up. Um, but you just can't punish yourself with hindsight about what, um, you know, what could have been. And I mean, isn't that just FPL in a nutshell? Yeah. There are there are too many variables to consider them all. I think you've got to make a decision that you can you can explain and be happy with, and then move on. Um, we're going to talk about Everton shortly, but I have to get my team out of the way. Um, so, um, so okay. And now, in a former life, I used to be um, a journalist and news editor at PR Week, the uh, uh, public relations industry magazine. And so I've met and interviewed a number of spin doctors. So I'm going to attempt to spin my way out of this one. Um, here's my team. Yes, that's right. 26 points going into this match. Um, I have uh, Edison in goal uh, and Stone. So I've got that City double up, the wrong City double up. Um, Justin, who I insisted on playing over Suchek. Kufau, Dallas, uh, Mane, Fernandez, who are captains, and Salah and Kane. So uh, Antonio and Bamford. So I'll get the uh, bad news out of the way first. For the first time this season, I benched Suchek. I was just convinced that Leicester would keep a clean sheet. Um, and that was the main decision, really. It was Justin or Suchek. And uh, foolish, foolish. Just sod's uh, law, Jeremy. It's, it's just the way it is. But that's the way it was, Suchek. You can, you know, he gets a couple of points and then he gets a double digit score. But, you know, I. I suppose that's a way of, as an example of going against your strategy. That's against my strategy, rather. This season, I decide, I decided that I can have as my fourth midfielder, Suchek. Well, I didn't need to bench him. I could just play him and just get, and I'm reaping the rewards for it. Um, went against it and lost out. So I'm not going to make that mistake again. That's a mistake there um but um going for the spin there you mentioned about the difficulties of getting Kane in hey no problem for me a Kane's already there um so <laughs> I, what I'm gonna do um because I've still got Mane lurking around there um, I've getting some really good comments in the live chat by the way I can't repeat them because they involve swear words but uh, people are <laughs> exclaiming about the state of my team um so I have um Kane in place uh for next week I'm probably going to captain him against uh, Brighton Mane is going to become Son and I am probably going to remove Bamford who we're going to talk about shortly for Calvert-Lewin who we're going to talk about shortly but I could also remove Dallas 
for Luca Dean. That is another strong consideration I have. Basically, I'm keen on Everton. So let's get away from my team now. Let's hope Kane and Salah and Mane bring me to respectability by the end of the show uh, and move on to our first topic, which is Everton. Um, they've got good fixtures, top of our fixture ticker at the moment. It sort of peters out a bit towards the end. Um, so, uh, yeah, time to target Everton, I've said here. So, um, so basically, their injured troops are back. And suddenly they've got players to target across the board for us FPL managers. Um, there's, and they've got the fixtures as well to bring in those points. So what we've got is we've got a bunch of underlying stats about them, but they perhaps don't paint the true picture because you're looking at an Everton side that's essentially a bit different and it's got a lot of B team players in them. So um, we're wondering, should we be investing in Everton? And I think now is Everton time. So they've got Newcastle coming up this weekend. Then they have Leeds. That is a great pairing for an attacker uh, or a creative player like Luca Dean. Manchester United, a bit out of sorts, so not bad. And then Fulham at home, another good fixture. Liverpool away, it's a derby, who knows what can happen. Then they've got Southampton at home and then Chelsea. So their immediate fixture one is really good. And so it's a, a, what we have to go through as FPL managers, can good fixtures breed good form? Um that's what I'm hoping for, and that's why I'm going to look to invest somewhere in Everton and probably with Calvert-Lewin. I've got some questions here. FPL, uh, Babiega, should we be targeting Calvert-Lewin? Um, Jules, Sydney Jules, uh, who's Jules, who lives in Sydney, I believe, um, and Ben Karawi, uh, among others, asking, should we be keeping or selling Bamford? So that Bamford to Calvert-Lewin move is something people are considering. And Delman says, is Bamford's time up? Luca Dean played on the left of midfield. He's noted uh, in the last game week. Um, this could be this could be something regular to keep an eye on. Um, is he a great option to bring in? So that's the players they're looking at. Not many questions on uh, James Rodriguez though. Um, so we'll see. We'll see there. But it seems like Luca Dean and Calvert Lewin are the ones that people in the community um, are talking about. So what I'll do is I'll put some stats up on the screen. Um, for Everton and what this is last six matches we don't have the luxury to say at the end of this season so you know last six matches and um, we're looking at who's the best at creating chances it's Rodriguez this is the last six matches they played Rodriguez created 10 Luca Dean 9 so Luca Dean is a great option for creating chances shots inside the box well it's Calvert-Lewin time 10 there uh, compared to Richarlison's 6. Worth noting that Keane in defence, who's 5.1, has had three shots inside the box, two of those in, on target. In terms of expected goal involvement over those six matches, it's Rodriguez, Calvert-Lewin, Luca Dean. They're your big men. They're, they're your big guys for this, really. So, um, yeah. Let's go to you first, Ted. What, what do you think of, of Everton? Um, and I understand you might... You might as well just reveal what your moves have been so far. So, yeah, how have you addressed Everton coming into game week 21? Um, yeah, I mean, this is my question, really, isn't it? Because um, <laughs> I've pulled the trigger. I've, I've taken a minus eight. Um, I've tripled up on Everton, uh, <laughs> which is, okay. now that I say it out loud, is just crazy. No, it's... I've just picked them up. I've picked them up. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I... Andy had triple Everton at the beginning of the season, and yeah. he's like 3K, so... I think I'm overcompensating from not, for not getting on board with Everton. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> swiftly moving on. Um, I think I think Everton um, 
the whether to, whether or not to bring DCL, whether or not to bring Dina Rodriguez is really interesting at the moment because it's classic case of form versus fixtures. And the massive variable is that the team is about to change in its dynamic. So Everton at the moment for me, they've improved defensively by playing the four centre-backs uh, with Godfrey and Holgate either side of Mina and Keane, who have been great, by the way, I think. Uh, and that's really shored them up. But personally, I think it it lacks uh, speed in the transition between defence and attack. And um, when you play the Colemans and you play the Deanias of this world, you get that transition between the defence and attack and it becomes suddenly more of an attacking team. They've really suffered uh, with the loss of Decore and Alan, I think. Um, interesting, I think Decore is back from injury. He didn't play yesterday, but he's due back this weekend. And so is Alan, according to the FPL expected back 30th of January flag. So they get those two back and suddenly they look, they have the same personnel as they did at the start of the season, which changes a lot, a lot in my mind about the attacking prospects of Everton. Um, what I really like about them as a team is you, they're very comparable to Leicester and Aston Villa in the personnel. So you've got the the creative talisman, the Grealish, the James Rodriguez, and the Madisons of this world. You've got the threatening direct player in Richarlison, Harvey Barnes, uh, maybe the Ross Barkleys of this world. Um, and then you've got the target man, the DCL, the Watkins, and the Vardy. I think they're very similar setups. So what I really like about Everton is you also got Dina as a world-class left back and he's just a sensational crosser of the ball. And um, you've got Rodriguez on that other side, a perfect marriage of creativity on either flank. DCL just needs to get some form going because he's without a goal in seven matches. Um, he's underperforming his stats. And once he starts scoring in the league, he got one in the cup. If he starts scoring in the league, then I think he could really start firing with the fixtures. Yeah, no, I mean... The stats do bear that out. I mean, he's expected to be involved in um, just under, well, around two goals, Calvert-Lewin, and, and he's got no goals. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that is underperforming. And you mentioned that creativity is back. Um, so I can see why you've tripled up there. Seb, what do you think with Everton? Are you, you keen or wait and see? I mean, I, th- I think I think Ted's covered it beautifully there. Um, I would I would back up most of what he said. Calvert-Lewin, as we know, I think we'll probably see some graphics along these lines later mm. as well. He gets those Inzaghi chances, those big chances he missed. I don't know if it went down as a big chance. They're subjective, so it's a bit tough sometimes. But he got one last night, a pretty free header, as Richarlison did. Another week those go in. I sound like a commentator now. But for me, the key thing is Rodriguez is back, and that's a massive thing for them. He was playing up front last night and dropping off. And the big thing to note for me last night was... They were outplayed by Leicester, but I think they accepted it. They played 4-4-2, or Hamez dropping in, Richarlison went up there later, but they just dropped in, they sat narrow, and they accepted it. Leicester had all of it. They didn't blow them away. It ended 1-1. And to build on what Ted was saying, the few times that Everton did really look like coming into it, which was a period in the first half especially, Dean was on the left wing. They kept him high and wide, and then on the right, Richarlison would come in and try and almost come up front. When they did step up a little bit and push really high and wide, it got around Leicester, who did have some mistakes in them at the back, and it gave them a few chances. And they probably, I don't know if there actually will have been over one, but the few chances they did get were probably big chances. So if coming up with those good fixtures, they go from the the weaker team to the stronger Mm. team, I'm confident that we will see a trend reversal at the very least. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Calvert-Lewin doesn't necessarily need the stats, need no. the number stats to do well. All he does is needs needs to get in the right position and put the Dina cross in, put the Rodriguez cross in. Um, so yeah, I I think they're an exciting prospect. Um, I mean, what are you going to do, Joe? I mean, yeah. I mean, for for me, I'm edging towards more Bamford out for Calvert-Lewin um, because I do think Luca Dean is great. If I if I wasn't already sort of committed to getting Son in I'm quite keen on getting Mane to Son um, I would probably I might even get Dean and Calvert-Lewin in I just think they've got the fixtures there's a double coming up there's a possibility of a double before game week 26 as well against City and whoever it is wherever they squeeze it in um, which I'd be keen on um, but I think it'll be um, Bamford to Calvert-Lewin. And one of the reasons is because my defence is kind of OK at the moment, um, especially with uh, with the cheap Mitchell. Um, can, he's actually quite a viable asset there. West Ham with Kufal is viable when they have good fixtures. Justin, ordinarily, when Leicester have good fixtures. But Bamford I'm not happy with. And I've got a stat and I've got a image and some stats I should say so what I've got on here I had a look at the fantasy football scout comparison tool and I assessed game weeks 1 to 16 to the last four so game weeks 17 18 19 and 20 um, and they, what they show is this is the average um, these are the stats average per match there so yeah obviously you know you can't compare the number of games uh, to each other there because it's different numbers but what you're seeing is there's 80 on in terms of a number of metrics the way the comparison tool has assessed that is that Bamford was 86% better, <laughs> essentially, in those first uh, 16 game weeks. The last four, is completely dropped off a cliff. It's 14%. Um, there's 10 key metrics where Bamford is performing better earlier in the season. Last four weeks, just one somewhere. I couldn't even find it, to be honest. Um, but some of the stats I pulled out there, mainly goal threat. That's what you want with Bamford. I don't, I don't really... It's not that I don't care about his creativity, but when you get Bamford, you want goal threat. Um, and his penalty area touches are slightly down, um, around 5.2 um, for uh, those for the early in the season. Last four, 4.3. But it's some of these other stats that are very worrying. Goal attempts, um, you know, edging towards four um, a match um, for those first 16 um, games. And then the last four, just down to uh, well under three, 2.7. Um, and then we're looking at big chances. So he's having, he's averaging just over a big chance a match for the first 16 matches of the season. And then it's just 0.3, hardly anything. Big chances scored. So so he's got 0.4, which basically means he's scoring from every half a big chance, I guess. <laughs> um, but his big chances scored zero. So he's absolutely nothing, really. Um, and um, the shot accuracy is well down. Minutes per attempt in the box down. Everything it's down, down, down. Um, so I think I'm committed to that because I'm getting rid of a well-owned player. This is the 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 moment in an FPL manager's life, the pookie moment. I've seen it described on Twitter, where you've got a highly owned, once high-performing player who you can hop off for a player that you are assuming will be the next big thing. And that's, you know, that's how you play FPL. Whether that is the case, whether Bamford <laughs> ends up scoring a hat-trick the next game and Calvert-Lewin sco scores me, um, you know, nothing, that's the risk you take. But that's what I'm going for. But my question yeah. to you, Seb, is am I right in, sh in 
locking my door, <laughs> telling Bamford you can't <laughs> come in anymore. So, I mean, you've covered Bamford's numbers there quite nicely. I would say he is tracking our overall numbers as leads. So if we improve, you would expect him to pick up as well. Okay. There's obviously some small sample sizes there going. We've covered that already. And naturally, you know, if he's having fewer shots, him having them off target, it will come out. You know, it's only yeah. a finite number of shots, whereas percentages obviously are fractions. So it's going to look worse. But it does track over the season. Leads his attack. We have scored 32 goals mm. from an XG of 29.24. So just over performing, but pretty much bang on for a goal XG of 61.5 per minute, which is six and a half minutes per chance as well. In the last two matches, like I say, very small sample size, but it's interesting just to note the significant drop off and the six and four track this as well for a trend. We have had two goals from an XG of one, so even overperforming mm. there, but 185 minutes per XG which is triple. So it's taking us three times as long to score mm. and 11.7 minutes per chance. So that's doubled. So and Bamford the, pretty much follows that. As, as a Leeds fan, now I see, I think we spoke about it last week, the, the convenient narrative is that they're knackered. Bielsa's yeah, like no, this harsh taskmaster and these poor Leeds guys are all like sitting in the Victorian orphanage, all like, oh, I can't move anymore. <laughs> and I, I just don't buy that myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not having that. Hey, no, maybe it happens. Maybe I'm wrong. Fair yeah. enough. Would hold my hands up. But, but what, there is very little evidence for that over Bielsa's career. What, what is so it? it? A have, little bit athletic. Have, have teams found them out? Well, I guess. So I was looking at this a bit earlier. And if we put the fatigue thing to the side and hmm. hey, you know, form is a thing. If we're looking at two, three, four matches, it can be bad form. We're missing yeah. centre backs. Click didn't play. He was being important to us in the past. But I think we've played every team now. We've played everyone once yeah. and we play a very specific style. And the big thing is we play it with relatively low quality players. We spent a load of money mm. on some big positions. A lot of that money, two centre-backs, is not in the team. Lorente got injured immediately last night again, or the other night. Uh, Rafinha's doing amazing. Yeah. But we're looking at Luke Eiling, who was 13th in the championship before Bielsa came along. <coughs> Liam Cooper, who was a League One centre-back, and then back up to Bartley and Janssen in mm. the Gary Monk season. And I remember going to Wellham Road and with my dad, every time Cooper lined up in the defence a couple of years ago or three years ago four years ago we'd go well we're conceding today then he's improved massively yeah. but that's the player he was I think these players are at the maximum level of their ability and they on average were championship players so if you match that up with the fact that everyone's played us and they've seen mm -hmm. how we're going to play there are holes to be picked out Bielsa and I love him and I would not change him or his tactics mm. but the man marking system in particular and the way we press opponents relies on quality individuals, which he's improved our team. If we look at what Newcastle did to us the other night, they set their centre-backs very, very, very wide. Now, Bamford, we set up one-to-one -one all over the pitch, but with a free centre-back at the back to pick up runs. Therefore, Bamford has to cover both centre-backs. Mm. Well, if you set your centre-backs wide and separate, Bamford can't be running between two of them all day. When we brought Tyler Roberts on, he just gave up. He didn't press both of them. So Newcastle, and you saw this in the second half, started getting a lot more ball. What they did with that is then they targeted Alioski at left-back, mm. who we know isn't left-back and is maybe a bit weak. We put Dallas there and it shorted up. But then taking Dallas out of midfield, weakened the midfield. We had Rodrigo and uh, Click came on. Rodrigo's not a central midfielder. No. Click a bit out of form. The solution for us is a new left-back and a new centre-mid. But until that happens, if teams continue to put pressure on us in the right places, which is the midfield and not centre-back, we don't have Ben White anymore, who was brilliant at press resistance, yeah and force us into pressing high up the field and then outnumbering us with quality one-on-one -on -one players. You know, if you've got Sadio Mane against Luke Eiling, we know how that ends. 
teams can beat us. Are there, are there so any, if people are there keep doing rumors? that, I mean, are there, uh, in this transfer window, are there any rumours of, of a left back or a central midfielder coming in? I'm not massively aware of okay. left backs. There's been a few floated around. We did try and get Rodrigo de Paul as a centre mid, attacking mid over the summer. He would be playing in that Rodrigo role. He's unbelievably perfect for it. Mm. Caveat being Juventus also want him. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, but, I mean the transfer. I mean the biggest transfer story has been Leeds getting Spurs's 300 grand pitch. Um, yeah, which to be fair, that, that's relevant. Fair, that's it's relevant probably here. worth a few points. I mean, I mean that's that's relevant here because we're looking at Bamford stats. One of those matches, we'd yeah. had the fewest number of shots we've had all season was against Brighton. Mm-hmm. You know, you did a good job on us, but we should have had more shots. You saw that pitch; we could not play our football. No. So that that will hopefully improve okay. us. But Newcastle was away from home, so there are okay. there are a few more things to look at. So okay, yeah, so... could I just chip in? Yeah. Um, I think what probably what's the most worrying thing about Leeds at the moment is at the start of the season, we sort of accepted that they were defensively suspect to a certain extent. They do concede a lot of big chances, um, which was fine because they were really great going forward. You know, I think they were something like first out of all teams for shots in the box for the first sort of 10 to 12 game weeks or something, which is great. You just expect a gung-ho, lever, you know, concede a few, score a few, blah, blah, blah. But in recent, the last five game weeks, they have started regressing a little bit in that uh, attacking sense. But what's more is that it's been sort of easy fixtures on paper. Excuse me, on paper. Mm. The Burnley, West Brom, Brighton, Newcastle, four of the last five fixtures. You'd expect them to, you know, to to be pressing on to, mm. to, be, to be winning those. Well, I'm sure they did a couple. But the problem is... And I think what sealed uh, Bamford's fate for me, I transferred him out for DCL, is he was subbed like on 60 minutes. Or 59 minutes. Six, Get it. 59 minutes. It's important for my team this week, that one Yeah, I, I just, I couldn't believe that. that I think they were one all. Was it mm. one all? They the, were the, still the, fighting for the match. The one, the one thing I would say on that is Bielsa does that. He has subbed Calvin Phillips within the first 15 minutes of a match in the past. or some. He's done it with Strauch. He did Phillips in the first half twice yeah. when he came in. It's, it doesn't mean Bamford isn't going to start next week. Hey, maybe. But if something isn't working or he thinks Roberts can offer something different who did, did play okay, Bielsa will make that move. Okay. But otherwise, yeah. I, I do agree with you. It's not from a Leeds fan point of view. I'm fine. You know, we need to finish 17th. Mm. We are well on track for that. We probably overperformed in the first half of the season. Okay. But from an FPL point of view, maybe that golden era is gone. If we improve again, Bamford will improve again. Maybe you can look at bringing him back in. All, yeah, of, all of what I've heard says to me, I'm I'm gonna take that risk, Bamford out to Calvert Lewin for a hit. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, the best fine. way to look at it, and we've kind of covered this, is if Leeds are trending down, Everton are trending up. Bamford to DCL, yeah, seems decent. But I think um, he only had one shot in the last two game weeks, something like that. And I mean, it's only the last two game weeks that he's really sort of not done his usual thing, and he's actually doing okay if you look at it. Last four, last six. Um, but it's, he's coming down, and that's what Seb's saying. It's it's okay. the it's the movement downwards which is the problem. And Bamford needs more than okay. He... Um, obviously, for, for myself and other people, and I, I know Ted's made this move already. Um, Luca Dean as an attacking defender is a great option. But of course, there are other attacking defenders as well. And I think um, then we've got a, a question from um, Jules again on this. Um, so yeah, I'll put some stats up on the screen. These are for the last. Uh, Four matches, so I'll come to those shortly. But Seb, um, yeah, uh, attacking defenders. Sure. So we mentioned Dean. See if we can't find a few other gems in that category. Uh, Jules asks, which defenders should we be targeting other than City? I mean, mm. we've all got one or two now, yeah. right? Uh, Ted finally brought uh, Cancelo in. 
Dean, obvious, he mentions that. Maybe Chilwell. Um, I think we've got a graphic in a moment on that, which is quite nice. But first, mm. you've got those stats up, Joe. I yeah. don't know if you want to run through those for us. Well, yeah, basically what we've got here is we've got the last four matches. These is, I've got a, a table in the Fantasy Football Scout members area, as well as goals imminent and all those other tables. I've got um, one of them. It's just simply called Attacking Defenders. And I usually sort it for the last four matches uh, they played. Um, and this I, I've sorted this by creating chances, because what I'm looking for here is you're looking for defenders who will offer a chance of points at both ends of the pitch and one of one of the best ways aside from goals goals on the whole are quite rare with defenders but assists are rare but less rare so I, I might get I might get some extra points there Robertson is top 10 chances created there then Tierney with eight and then Luke Shaw who we'd mentioned who was actually uh, dropped for the last game with seven and then Luca Dean there with seven so he's in amongst the best Aspilicueta, if he can keep his place there with the Chelsea setup, is one to watch always. And he's certainly, we've certainly got the stats of him for over this past few, few seasons. Uh, he's been a great source of FPL points. Uh, Cancelo there, six chances created. He's had eight goal attempts as well. Same as Alexander-Arnold. Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo. But you look at the difference. The difference there is really in price. And of course in teams as well. Alexander-Arnold is 7.3. Cancelo is 5.9, is he now? Um, both created six chances. Both had eight goal attempts. Both had four shots inside the box. The key difference there is money. And of course, Cancelo plays for a very, very informed city. And Alexander-Arnold plays for a very out-of-sorts Liverpool. Your man from last week, Seb, um, Matty Cash, 5 million. This is why you recommended him. He is there. So underlying stats. Everyone's going, ooh target but perhaps I was, it, I was hoping for a really clean sheet though I will admit that could could, <laughs> could be um, he's created six chances he had three goal attempts not bad for five million um, and Alex Telles um, I guess it's the case with Shaw and Telles they're going to share minutes but Shaw's probably the number one there but nevertheless if one of those gets injured Telles there with six chances created a couple of a couple of goal attempts 5.5 in the mix, perhaps when Manchester. United... I really, really disagree that they're going to share minutes. Um, oh, I, I thought Tellers wasn't great um, against Sheffield United, and and I, I think the whole defense was poor. Mm. Uh, maybe that's just a reflection, a, a bad reflection, a bad time. So you think Shaw is definitely shored uh, up, so to speak? Yeah, he's hundred mm-hmm. percent. He's mm. he's really improved defensively, and the thing that I really like, I think, if I had to pick three defenders to own, regardless of fixtures, regardless of. Mm. Uh, environment it would be Dina, Cancelo and Shaw because Shaw's numbers that he's been posting recently are spectacular but the problem is that he hasn't been assisting I think he's got one assist the entire season uh he had like 18 chances created before game week 20 in the last six top amongst everybody it's six more than the next best player and he was he's third for crosses behind Alexander Arnold and Robertson uh, top for big chances created. I, I really rate him as a creative left back mm. and I think he's improved defensively. So I think, I don't think he'll be rotated. Okay. As much and as also he's, he's had 11 corners um, and I've put the corners in here. Cause I always think that's, I mean, usually you would get um, um, Cresswell is not showing up on this particular fault uh, at the moment. Um, although he has been performing well. But in terms of corners, Robertson, Shaw, Alexander-Arnold and indeed Tellers, whenever he can get can get minutes from the mighty Luke Shaw, but whenever he can, these are the guys that are basically could be assisting 
from corners. So you got to you got to look at who they're who they're aiming at as well. Now Luca Dean only four corners, so I get, I'm guessing Rodriguez there is going to be quite high. Rodriguez takes him from the right. Yeah. Dean takes him from the left, as far as okay. I can see. So that's gonna that's gonna reflect just the lack of corners that way. So if he if he's getting corners from that side, of course, who is he aiming at? He's aiming for the likes of Keane. Um, Calvert-Lewin, of course, um, Richarlison. Yeri Mina. Yeah, Yeri Mina. You've got a whole bunch of heads to aim at. Um, yeah. I just I have some Dina stats for mm. the season on a per-90 basis. Um, he's first for big chances created, 0.54 per match, which is mm. insane. Third for crosses, almost just over seven a match, which is pretty high. He, he has an insane assist rate, 0.65 assists per match. That's top amongst any other defender. And the expected assists are are much lower. So he's overperforming. Well, I mean, his his teammates mm. are overperforming his assists. So um, whether oh, or not him now as well. Out. Do I take a minus yeah. eight like you? Because I, I, I do want both of these players, Calvert-Lewin and Luca Dean, because you've got the, on the whole, like getting Kane and Son, you're getting the, the scorer, you're getting the assister. I mean, not always, but your chances are you are, you know, like Wilson or Fraser last season. It's um, it's a huge gamble, I think, because we it's all based on Calvert-Lewin coming back back into form. Because yeah. if he doesn't, then Dina suddenly becomes a sort of average pick. Yeah. Uh, Rodriguez is subjected to shots from outside the box and and corners into Mina and Keane. And Richarlison just gets don't... sent off because he's just getting annoyed. Uh, um, the one, the one player I would add to this, and I know he was top of your chances created, is Robertson. I mm. think I would pick Robertson over Shaw. Uh, I agree with Ted. With I don't think Shaw and Tellers are going to be rotated. I think Shaw can play one match a week. So when we see a midweek game, I think Tellers possibly gets the nod unless he's done really badly. But over the season, I think you know Robertson is expensive, but we all have a bit of money at the moment, well, and I think Liverpool's poorer defence is putting us off. But he is posting some of, if not the most impressive attacking stats over the season. He needs people, maybe similar to Shaw and Dina, he needs someone to finish those off. But I, I've i had him all season and I will hold on to him. My three, I've got two cities, so if I had four, I guess, Robertson, Cancelo, and I'm tempted to bring in Luca Dean now. Yeah, I think that would be that would be really good. If I saw a team with those three, I would just think, you, you flairmeister, you're absolutely... <laughs> Well, on, the, on, on that basis, Joe, I'm doing it just so I get your praise. <laughs> um, just as, as we are hoping or predicting um, that Everton have an upturn in form, of course, there's been a change at Chelsea. Now, I understand, Seb, that you've been looking, you're quite interested in um, the first match of the new um, regime there. So I'm going to put a picture up here. Um, and uh, I've also included, it says, for those um, watching... Uh, I'll tell basically what this shows is that number 20 and number 21 are very high up the pitch so yeah tell tell uh, those listening on the podcast who number 20 is for Chelsea and who is 21 and why sure. we should be interested so a little caveat just before I do obviously this is Thomas Tuchel's first match one training session mm. these are these are quick assumptions that we can make from that match at PSG I believe he mostly played a 4-3-3 as Karam said uh, last week, he did switch into a three at the back, but mm-hmm. I think it was 3-5-2. He played a 3-4-3 three, three, uh, last night, which I don't think he's done since Dortmund. But what it did mean is he has two very high, very wide wingbacks. Number 20, it's hudson Adoy, So he's a midfielder for us, mm. maybe less interesting. But if you look at the heat map, he's the player furthest forward. So, so he's sort of Victor playing Moses. like an attacker. Victor Moses of old. Listed yeah, as a midfielder, yeah, like, yeah. but playing as a wingback. 
Absolutely. But then the one that maybe is of most interest to us as FPL managers is Benji Well, number 21, mm-hmm. possibly what, the third, fourth highest there, high and wide on the left. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't get involved as much last night. I can't remember the touch numbers off the top of my head, but Hudson Adoy saw a lot of the ball, uh, Ziek did as well, Chilwell less so, but maybe a slight outlier there. And we'll Liverpool see how it goal. develops. Liverpool goal. Salah, Mane, Salah. Firmino, I think. Oh, what? One oh, night calling. Of course it was. Obviously. Of course it was. And the assist was. Mane's <laughs> got the ball. Possibly Robertson because it came from the left. Uh, Not the Mane assist. Was it Mane? Yeah. There you go. Uh, there you go, Joe. Keep Mane. Well, I'm, you know, you know, inside, you know, those pictures of like, you know, the end of the Second World War. You know, VE Day, like on Wall Street or something, all the ticker tape coming down and big parade. That's what's going on in my head at the moment because I've got an assist in my team. Oh, you're remaining very composed. I I know inside my head there's a VE Day, but I'm being composed. Wonder what the XG value for that shot is off Firmino. 100%? Slight yeah. half folly, so yeah, a little hundred percent celebration. <laughs> I mean, I guess by is. the time anyone who anyone who listens to this obviously, no one's got Mane. This basically, is, a tap in. This is great. Any points for Mane is great for me because no one's got him except me. So always mum. I don't know. So anyway, yeah. Sorry, Seb. Carry so on. oh, I mean, hey, speaking of Robertson, we near, you know laid on Mane there. I think. Um, so Chilwell, we want to you know Marcus Alonso is always a threat, but I, I don't, I'm not too worried about him. Reese James on the right hand side would be very nice, but we already know. That potentially is a rotation option. It's a back three. We see Azpilicueta quite high there. Now, mm. he has been a bonus point magnet in the past, playing in a back three. So something to keep an eye on. But again, you'd probably pick the wing back. The other player I'd like to highlight is Hakim Ziyech. So he, I believe, is number 22. Mm. He is in that sort of right inside forward, almost second number 10 channel there. He had an obscene amount of touches the other night. Created four chances, had three shots, one of which was on target, all from long range, though. All we kind of need from Chelsea is them to play better as a team than they did last night. They had 78% possession, but only mustered 14 shots, and they weren't great quality. If we're seeing this sort of style, heavy, heavy possession, high wing backs, lots of touches and involvement for Ziyech, there are options there. We just need to see goals from it as well. The issue I have, and I think Mm. the worry, is that Tuchel loves to tweak it up during the match. You know, he could change formation three times, and it could just dramatically affect your Chelsea assets potential. Like Chilwell could be a winger at one point and then second half he's playing like a, almost a left centre-back. So he, who knows? I think Chilwell didn't have a, a great game against... Um, uh, who did they play? <laughs> uh, Wolves. <laughs> Wolves, yeah, he didn't have Which a great Which maybe game. is indicative as well. You know, Wolves are probably very comfortable yeah, just to sit in and let someone and have also the fact you right? can't even remember who they... It proves how ineffective Wolves have been in attack recently. It wasn't a great game, to be honest. I think I mean, Wolves, Wolves did well to defend it, but I think probably that sums Chelsea up. Lack of clear-cut opportunities. I'm sure they pressed and, and uh, pod, plodded, you know, quite a lot, and they probably created a lot of small chances, but... It didn't quite work and Wolves defended quite well. But I'd be interested to see what the first um, first game from Tuchel with a few training sessions under his belt actually turns out like. Would it be fair to say that we can have a little watching brief for now? You know, we're not we're not lacking options in midfield and defence where the attractive uh, things are. You know, Werner was on the bench. We think he'll come in, of course. But I think we can watch and learn a bit more. There's there's potential there. But we yeah, see how I mean, it What's coming out of from Chelsea fans at the moment, and you know, looking at, uh, at the way the management has been in the past, is but looking at that and thinking there's going to be rotation. Um, there were some quotes coming out today from 
um, Tuchel about Mason Mount and Gilmore as well. Um, with my journalist head on, I looked at what they are not saying and what reading between the lines, and I found them quite passive aggressive. In <laughs> basically what it was saying about Mason Mount, the key word there was about development, the player's development. That says to me, I'm bringing him on as a sub, maybe. And that doesn't say I'm so basically those days of Mason Mount starting yeah. every match are not going to happen. You might start which the is a shame because his stats were great. Yeah. But I think if Tuchel continues with this shape, the thing for me with Mason Mount is I don't know if his role exists. He, he could play centre mid, sure, but yeah. we saw Jorginho and uh, Kovacic in there who had a silly number of touches uh, at PSG. Marquinhos used to start in midfield, naturally a centre back, and drop in. I don't think Mason Mount can do um, the roles that he wants in that system. And also with Gilmore, uh, the key word that was there was talking about physicality of the league. So, uh, so that was the phrase that I picked up on. He was also going, wow, isn't he fast? Isn't he you know, got a quick footballing brain? Physicality of the league. It, basically, that said to me, uh, I may be wrong, but it said to Gilmore, he's a tiny fella, quite quick. I'm not sure I'm going to play him. <laughs> and that's what it said to me. Um, so I think uh, the... the some of the personnel you've got there at the moment, you're going to get younger players coming in um, and there will be an element of rotation, but it's a watching brief, a watching brief. And we've got the, the, the matches to do it. They've got Burnley um, at home coming up next. OK, Burnley can be tough. Then they've got Tottenham. And I think that gives us three games, really small sample. That gives us three games to get a bit more information. And then game at 23, Sheffield United away. And then game at 24, Newcastle at home. So we can perhaps start in a future um, scoutcast to start moving from watching brief to Chelsea to like, oh, I'm actually going to get some of these guys in now. Um, but we don't, not quite sure who they are and who's going to be the best one. But as you pointed out there, Seb, Chilwell is definitely one to keep an eye on, especially if he's taking that quite high role from defence points at both ends of the pitch. Um, now, Ted... You've come armed with a whole bunch of uh, pictures. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put these up and you're going to explain what's going on with them. Um, and then also how they are relevant to us as FPL managers. So the first picture I'm going to put up is the um, big chances, small chances graphic. Um, so basically where on looking at this screen here, where is good for players to be? Where is bad? <laughs> And, yeah, who should we be targeting, perhaps? So I reckon players further towards the top are is a good starter because we like big chances. We like to see players with big chances because they're easy to finish. But if we want a combination of lots and lots of shots mm. and lots of quality shots, then we want them to be in the top right-hand corner of this graph. Okay. So top right-hand corner, who are the best players? Well, Kane is close, to, close up there. Fernandez is not as good on the big chances mm -hmm. but he's got so many shots having so many shots Watkins is the interesting one and I think Seb you'll be happy to see that seven I'm a big chances I'm a fan of his so this yeah, is last, been this is good last and... six matches data rather I should say yeah yeah so last six matches for each player so everyone's on a like for like basis mm -hmm. um, and I've removed players that uh, have played um, uh, a while back so like Jota for example yeah. uh, he's not on it so um, yeah so that I think there's an, it's an interesting way of looking at it because you, you don't necessarily judge a player by the total amount of shots that he's having. So for Son and Lacazette, for example, 
they're on the top left of this chart and they've got eight big chances in the last six matches, but they've only got four small chances. Mm. So they, they, they just only really go for big chances, which is just by the nature of how they play, especially with Son. We've seen in this match already, Kane just loves to feed that through, through ball to Son. He's through on goal. Whether he scores or not is another matter. Talk, He's been under Looking at long-term data as well, last time you were on, a few, uh, good few weeks back now, Son was in the same place. Lots of big chances, yeah. not many small chances. This is nice yeah. for us as FBI managers. We know what we're getting here. We're getting someone who's clinical. Yeah. Absolutely. Although he hasn't been that clinical in uh, in the last few, has mm. he? He's I think he was top for big chances missed or something like that. Mm. So dare, not dare great. I say a slight regression to the mean. We've seen tonight he he scored an offside goal and then put a similar chance straight at Allison. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the good thing is that if he keeps getting those chances, then that's going to average out and he's going to still be in the goals. Um, uh, interesting points on this chart, I think. You know, for for us for our decision making. Gundogan seems to be the real deal. He's really up there with the likes of um, De Bruyne, even Aubameyang looks quite good as well, which is strange. But you know, Bamford's there as well, yeah. but he's he's presumably on the way down. He he, I think Bamford was top right. Um, he was at the start of the season. He was sort of um, now on this picture here. Kane is sort of um, to edging edging towards that that higher bit of the goal there. Um, and yeah. I remember last time you were here, Bamford was sort of in that same area. So as we were saying there, Bamford, we can see getting worse. Um, Kane still up there. Fernandez still up there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, Giroud is another one, which is interesting. Mm. Obviously, he doesn't start every match and, that, and that's going to be a theme for Chelsea um, with the array of options that they have. But if you look through the stats that he has for each match, they're very impressive. They're, they're, I mean, He's a he's a goal scorer at the end of the day, but and he gets in the right positions. That's going to feed feed his uh, his use. But he's getting the quantity and the quality of the chances. Ted, um, what, would, what would you say that this brings to you know? We see a player's xG, and then we can see small and big chances. How would you say that helps us understand something like that? Yeah, that's a really that's a really good question, and probably probably the fundamental reason why um, I use big and small chances. If you add them both together, you get total number of shots, and that can be uh, related to XG. But if you get total number of shots and you look at James Madison here, for example, he's got 17 shots, 16 of them are small chances, only one of them is a big chance. Whereas you look at Son, he's got 12 shots, less than Madison. So on paper, you go 17 for Madison, 12 for Son. Oh, Madison must be better. But Son has had, you know, two thirds of his shots are big chances. So it's a really, you know, a fundamental reason why you need to have that context um, about for Firmino has, has scored tonight. And interestingly, he's in that group of Gundogan, of De Bruyne and Giroud that you were speaking about. And so we can see here that Firmino is being effective. This, this is this table in action as we're speaking. And also, I just want to shout out to uh, Philip Appleby's 11-year-old daughter, who is on now on 74 points with her team because she well, has Firmino cool. as well as Gundogan, Cancelo and Stone. So I don't know whether she's been having a look at your table here because um, she's got all the all the top players and she's doing really I th- well. I think we need to know what her overall rank is. Well, she's on 74 this week. I don't that's what we need to know about this week. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I mean, there's, it's it's interesting that like, the XG obviously um, incorporates level of quality of chance, uh, but you don't get that breakdown. You see a, an XG of four, but you don't know whether that's mm. forty shots of a small chance or four hundred percent chances. So it, it's very difficult to um, to determine the breakdown of each shot by not splitting it out. Okay. Into bigger, okay. Now, now that we know the sort of players that are doing well at the moment, the ones who are on the, bit on the slide and the ones that um, are getting those big chances and small chances as well. Um, the next picture we've got up is um, big chances and small chances conceded by teams as well. So once again, um, where's the good bit in what we're seeing here? Who are, in, where, where is the area you want a team to be in? And where is an area you're not quite sure whether you want them to be in and uh, you know wh which are the good teams and the bad teams essentially so yeah this is this is a uh, defensive ability of each mm. of the 20 premier league teams and um if we if we look at the top right of that chart that is where the whipping boys as we right. we say uh, will be they've right. they've conceded the most big chances the most small chances we expect them to con concede loads of goals in their matches so that yes. is west brom mm -hmm. they haven't kept a single clean sheet in their last six matches and i think that's going to be a trend the also worrying thing is that along that line of they've conceded the same number of big chances as west brom 16 you've got leeds crystal palace fulham and chelsea Ooh. And Chelsea worries me a lot, obviously. We're talking about Chilwell. As an owner myself, that really needs to improve. Obviously, Tuchel might um, mm. employ different tactics. Another to reason to, to perhaps wait on Chelsea to see. So what, what we would hope to see perhaps in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, is Chelsea moving from the top, as in conceding a lot of big chances, and moving much further down, somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, Okay. absolutely so uh bottom left we've got the best defenses that's man city by an absolute country mile yeah they've got five clean sheets in their last six matches they've conceded the fewest i think they've only conceded two big chances uh the fewest i uh, know the second fewest number of small chances and they've only conceded two goals in their last 11 matches which is an incredible stat really mm -hmm. um but next best after the man city we know about man city next best west ham look really good three clean sheets in their last six matches. Leicester look all right as well, but they've only kept two clean sheets and so maybe they're underperforming a little bit. The surprise here, I think, is Sheffield United. Sheffield United, look, fourth or fifth, fourth or fifth best defence. Unbelievable, but only only one clean mm. sheet in the last six now, matches. Now, so if only we'd have seen this prior well, to captaining Fernandes. Um, now, those who were thinking of captaining Gundogan, should they be thinking twice? Are Sheffield United a bit better than we've given them credit for? If you don't for? look at the stats, yeah, it's a really good question. If you don't look at the stats and you go, Man City, is it at home to Sheffield United? I think it is. Um, that's a, a really good option. Gundogan is in great form. Why not captain him? But Sheffield United are surprising. Maybe they're starting to solidify that back line. Maybe they're starting to buy into something else that Chris Wilder is, is selling to them. So, don't know what's changed at Sheffield United, but it certainly looks like they've improved a little bit and it puts me off captaining a City player, maybe. So uh, the other option maybe this week is is Spurs against Brighton. Brighton are serial underperformers mm. with their defensive stats. Um, middle of the pack tend to be uh, because they're, they're a possession team. They like to uh, impose their, their thoughts on the game. So um, 
not 100 percent. we'll come to that a bit later but yeah it's an interesting one tottenham are always bottom right because they they let their opponents have possession for most of the game they let their opponents shoot but not many of them are big chances so it's interesting that tottenham have only got one clean sheet in the last six because they were arguably one of the best defenses earlier in the season you mentioned there, obviously, looking at you know, how teams are defending to understand this as well. Would it be fair to say, so Sheffield United, We, I think we've seen all seasons, we looked at a couple of scoutcasts ago, Joe, that mm. they're doing worse than their numbers suggest. Yeah. But then when we come down to what I'm you know, watching when I'm watching the match, is someone like Aaron Ramsdale the cause of that or are they unlucky? And I think identifying the cause for these sort of things can be really helpful. Is that something you can... I mean, we look at the previous graph and we see West Brom top right. We see, you know, Son top left. Son has West Brom in a couple of game weeks, 23, I think it is. Are those sort of comparisons something you maybe want to line up and try and find not only targeting players, but finding causes for why people are appearing where they are? Absolutely, 100%. I think the goalkeeper is the pivotal reason for over underperformance. So I, I take that back to maybe last season. We looked at defensive ability by team and Chelsea and Everton were one of the but few of the best teams for fewest number of chances conceded, but they were one of the worst for conceding more than they should have because Kepper for Chelsea was has been a poor goalkeeper and Pickford has been a liability for Everton. So it's always the goalkeeper that's maybe going to be letting more goals than they should have. And I, I completely get your point about Ramsdale at Sheffield United. He's I, I don't have the stats on him, but he doesn't seem to be the safest pair of hands, ah, just I, by perception. Um, I've just had a look at the stats. There's a handy stat, which is expected goals prevented on goalkeepers. And so this um, so this is essentially saying that Johnston, um, Adrian, whenever he plays, Ramsdale, Guita and Matt Ryan are the worst at the moment. Um, there are, were three goals over the last four matches it's only the last four matches but there's been three goals that Ramsdale really was expected to have prevented there and he didn't that's interesting um, Matt just, Ryan is a really interesting one and Matt because... Ryan because Brighton and that may explain some of Brighton so it'd be interesting to see where um, Sanchez is so, I a... would love to comment on that but Trent Alexander-Arnold has just scored I think Ooh. oh really I think so Mane assist uh, by any chance I didn't catch the assist, I'm afraid. I was, yeah, uh, was a man yeah, Oh, goodness. Two assists. That's a turn up. That's a turn up. It's VE day. It's VJ day. <laughs> it's Mane day in my head. They've got a replay here now. So it's over on the air. Mane breaking in. So I'm in. in, in Mane, Mane has a shot, comes back, and Trent finishes that well, to be fair. That would be a low XG, I don't know. Mane is perhaps going to stay in my team. I don't know. Is he playing? We were talking about, we were talking about um, outcome bars earlier, Joe. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one... Ah, oh, Luis really do better with that, shouldn't he? He's just oh, palmed yeah. it out. I need to have some... I'm going to get the old comparison tool of Fancy Football Scout out on Mane the, and The Salah. thing I'd love to add to your, um, your mm. uh, XG prevented, Joe, is just that I believe that's recorded as an absolute number. Mm. So if you concede more shots, yeah, yeah. you will appear higher on that list basically no matter what. Correct me if I'm wrong, someone like Alison Edison are probably about mid-table, when really you'd think shouldn't they be the best goalkeepers. If you do it as a ratio of shots conceded, yeah. that's a slightly better way of understanding goalkeeper quality. Although I guess for FPL, well, we just care about save uh, points, I so mean, Ed, fair enough. Edison is actually one of the best at the moment. Um, if you look, at, I was just looking at Sanchez as well, because the important thing is you can pretty much attribute a lot of the goals conceded by Brighton down to Matt Ryan being rubbish. 
So um, Sanchez is also a little bit rubbish. <laughs> Not as rubbish, but over the last four matches, there was at least a goal where Sanchez was expected to have prevented there. Meanwhile, at the top of the tree, you've got Ariola at Fulham. He's, in fact, he was expect he's prevented, actively prevented four goals. Um, and then you've got the likes of Pope, Allison, Leno, Larice, and Edison, who all all, all um, have basically saved a the goal there. Definitely, they were expected to score it, didn't they? Prevented it. So, well, are you going to tell me that Mane scored again? No, I'd no. say the opposite. I don't know if Hoiberg is the opposite of Mane, but he scored. Ooh. Rocket. Yep. That's good for me. I don't um, have any Liverpool defenders. All those clean sheets wiped out. And I Go also on. think Harry Kane might have gone off at half time. Really? Which changes quite a lot. <sighs> now, yeah, I've got... I... someone said it in the chat and I don't see him on the pitch. Well, I have gone from VE Day in my head to Outbreak of War <laughs> to <laughs> Kane subbed. It says here. What? Okay. We're going to come to this. Uh, stay tuned, Fancy Football Scout and Team Talk um, between Andy and Neil tomorrow. Um, look out for that video and podcast. Uh, we'll have more on that cane subbing because that's going to be important news for people and that may massively alter my plans. Um, let's move come back to your tables, Ted. Um, I'm going to move on to this other one, uh, next one, about clean sheet probability. These are matches here. So what you've got, got here is you've got each match up there, So and then you've also got them, again, whether they're home or away, uh, you know, who they're playing. Um, so once again, where's good and bad on this uh, uh, table, and who are the teams that, what are the matches that we should be targeting for um, potential clean sheets for our defenders. Yeah, so this is game week 21 specific and basically the likelihood of each team keeping a clean sheet against their game week 21 opponents. Um, Bottom left is the most likely to keep a clean sheet. So we've got Man City against Sheffield United. Uh, We've got possibly Everton against Newcastle, uh, Leicester against Leeds and Wolves against Crystal Palace Uh, and Chelsea Burnley there as well. Um, so top right is teams that we'd expect to concede because their opponents are very good at attacking. And that looks, I mean, there's no clear cut, but Southampton versus Villa doesn't look great. So if you've got Southampton defenders, I probably wouldn't play them against Aston Villa. Um, all other, other teams are a bit, uh, strange because you've got, um, you've got West Brom against Fulham and that's like a, a poor defense against a poor attack. You've got plenty of that sort of thing going on, Crystal Palace, Wolves, um, Newcastle, Everton. So it, it's a bit unpredictable, I think, this. I think I like the fact that Everton have a good chance of keeping a clean sheet against Newcastle because Newcastle's attacking stats are really poor. Uh, and as a newly founded Dina owner, I'm quite happy about that. But yeah, Man, Man, City, uh, should, Man City defenders should stand a really good chance against Sheffield United as well. Um, but yes, it's very difficult to say what's going to happen, I think. Liverpool-West Ham is an interesting one because they have very similar stats, attacking and defensive. So it could be a, an interesting battle. I don't think either of them keep clean sheets. I think my question, probably repeating myself here for each one, but maybe that's a useful trend. Comparing this again to the previous chart, you would probably say it's those teams that overlap in the favourable positions that we want to be targeting. Overlapping in favourable positions. As in uh, opponents of each other. Oh, as in, so if, if I take this graph and compare it to, you know, if I've got 
who's got who's big chances, small chances, who's uh, creating and conceding. If I then also look at their XGC, their XG, and then you've got your opponents just in the next match here, I can probably really nail in in who's got good defensive form, who is facing a good attack, a bad attack, something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. The under under overperforming element as well. You could combine it all and, and get a really good model. Um, but yeah, from purely from just a, vi- a visual perspective, um, it's good to get at least a an idea about who the the good teams are. Certainly by XG and the good defenses and things like that. So yeah, it's um it's an interesting one. I think we'll move on from this one because okay. I think the the attacking one is is still representative of this later. Okay, on. so we've got the next uh, the next one up, which is um, this is teams. Big chances and small chances here. So um, once again, I'm presuming right in the top right-hand corner, you've got Man City. I'm presuming that's the good place to be. Lots of small chances, lots of big chances as well. Um, Villa right up there. And then you've got Liverpool. Loads of small chances, but less big chances. And where you sort of don't want to be is where West Brom, Crystal Palace, Everton. But we've already highlighted the fact they were without a lot of their creative players and Newcastle, these are not the place you want to be. This is right at the bottom of this graph. Is that that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the useful one here is to determine over and under performance. We can see Everton's there uh, are mingling with the the teams that don't really create much or haven't created much, but they've got, they've got eight goals in their last six matches. When you compare that to the teams around them, the Southamptons and Newcastles, who only got two, Crystal Palace have only got five. So they're, they're overperforming from the amount of chances that they've got. But I think they just have better players and therefore they're probably going to convert a few more. I expect Everton's numbers to actually improve with the um, with the new with the personnel that they've got back, the, the change in team dynamic. Hopefully it flows through to a more attacking side. Uh, the interesting one there for sure is Southampton because they were one of the form teams before Christmas mm. and... Um, one of the teams that we we targeted to towards the theoretical double game week in in 19, which didn't transpire in the end. But uh, the Shea Adams, the Danny Ings, the Ward Prowses of this world, I remember that they weren't too far forward from that position, but they had 14 goals in their last six matches at one point. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that really is overperforming. But when you've got the Ward Prowses of this world putting in every single free mm. kick that, that you get, then you are going to be overperforming. So it's it's sad to see Southampton regressing and it puts me off Southampton assets going forward. I know I'm probably going to keep my Southampton assets because of that possibility of having a double game week in 24. And I know it's either Southampton versus City or Everton versus City. Um, we will have to wait and see what that might be. I mean, that's, that's just conjecture. Um, so we will see. Um, the other interesting part on here Chelsea are really not in a good place again. They're they're not in a good place defensively. And this doesn't fill me with confidence either for their attack. Only four goals in the last six matches. Mm -hmm. And they are down on the big chances. They're they're good for small chances, but they're down on the big chances. They're not creating those clear-cut opportunities. So I really need to see an improvement. We need to, once again, with Chelsea, watching brief there. They're low down at the moment, so they've got a small base to go yeah. on and um, let's look at the final one um this is um goals probability in a match so this is what you want you want a high scoring match now um once again you know where's good on this table where's bad and what are the team what are the matches we should be targeting and also i just want to again understand with the goals probability in the match is that 
the probability of goals from both sides. So you know, a, 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 you know, five all thriller, or or is this the probability? You know, for example, Man City beating Sheffield United five 0 What 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 are we talking about in terms of oh, goal? Goal, problem? Liverpool goal. Sorry, Joe. That's fine. Salah. Thank you very much. No, Mr. no Salah. Looked like a nice finish. Well, I hope so. Because after I would Ka- love to rewind to the beginning of this podcast and listen to your opinions on Mo and uh, Mo Salah and Mane again. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> well, the thing, what's changed my opinion uh, from this week, my planned transfers, is less that I'm Ooh. getting points from Mane and Salah. It is that I'm. Um, is that Mane three assists? It might be. They're looking at it. I think yeah, they better stop looking. They, they, Firmino they, in the build-up. I'm not sure whether they're going to go. Firmino's hands and look at my face and the joy I would get from Mane assisting Salah. It was but, a nice. It was a nice <laughs> finish by Salah. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, Joe. You look as stoic as normal. <laughs> there's a party in my there head. There we go. There's a smile. There's a smile. There's a party in my head. Um, uh, no, what's really changed uh, my chance is, is, is that I've got Kane. Uh, I got Kane in. Um, apparently, he went off with an ankle injury. So we are not sure how that's going to pan out. But it certainly places a lot of doubt in my mind about captaining him. Um, so it also makes me think, because we know what happens with Spurs when Kane's out and who plays up top. And it's usually Son. And Son usually goes absolutely mental with goals. <laughs> so I'm going to really want Son. And now I've got Mane and Salah doing their best to avoid it. They've saved my game week. Um, hmm. Decisions. It's not looking good, Joe, I'm afraid. Oh, don't you? They keep repeating this Firmino handball and it. It, it does look it, like a handball. It looks unlucky, like a ball to hand, but it is a handball in the rules. If that's yeah, the end of the goal. The ref is going over to the monitor. It's probably going to be disallowed. I'll tell you what that ref should do. He should he should walk away from that monitor <laughs> and he should <laughs> he can come around my house. We can have a beer together. <laughs> we've, we've got we've got a great angle here. We're over the shoulder of the ref watching the... Uh, no goal. Salah strike is ruled out due to an earlier handball, handball from Firmino. Thank you for absolutely nothing. Um, okay, let's move on. <laughs> hey, Salah, Salah still put a ball in the net. You he know? still put a ball I, in I the know, net. I know it doesn't count, but that wasn't Salah's fault. It's it's between Salah. Oh, don't know. Don't know. Yeah, it's been disallowed. No, no. Yeah. No goal. Okay, did the joy and you know woe <laughs> continues? Let's have a look at the next four fixtures. Um, as we move on. So looking at this, uh, once again, I always mentioned that we are part of the Football Index for this section of the Scoutcast. Uh, so there may be also players looking at buy through uh, Football Index. That is where you can buy and sell shares in players using fancy football knowledge to make a profit. So having a look at the next four fixtures, as we've mentioned lots of times, Everton are top, Newcastle, Leeds, Manchester United and Fulham. Great set of fixtures there. Manchester United, you know, maybe... Uh, but Fulham definitely good late Leeds and Newcastle Crystal Palace are next so this one I'm, I'm probably going to play Mitchell um, this week got Wolves Newcastle Leeds and Burnley it's a great set of fixtures um, Chelsea have a good set of fixtures as well but we're on a watching brief for them but if someone wanted to dive in they've got Burnley Tottenham Sheffield United and Newcastle Manchester United's kind fixtures or rather mixed fixtures continue they've got Arsenal away Southampton Everton and West Brom uh, away I like I like the look of uh, the West Brom one in particular away uh, because uh, Fernandez tends to be better away. West Brom are so 
They're the most whippiest whipping boys I've ever seen. Um, West Ham, they got Liverpool next, and then Villa, then Fulham and Sheffield United. So okay, and then Fulham themselves, you know, Fulham have got the the whipping boys West Brom next. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, I'm talking about Spurs assets to get in, but maybe Fulham <laughs> assets. Uh, but they play Leicester, West Ham, and then Everton, and then right down the bottom, worst fixtures: Brighton. Tottenham and Liverpool next. That's pretty pretty horror show. And then they got Burnley away and Villa at home. So that's that's a really poor uh, set of fixtures there. Burnley, Chelsea, City, and then uh, Brighton. That's a, that's a bit better uh, for them. And then Crystal Palace and Sheffield United are down there. They you know next four they've got City and Chelsea. Um, but I mean we've had a look at all your stats there, Ted, um, and all your your tables there. But that's just looks at the next four. So you know what what. what which teams do you think we should be targeting other than Everton that we've already sort of mentioned quite a lot? Yeah, I was going to say uh, Everton, I've, I've gone all guns blazing. Um, I think it's between three teams that have the, the potential and, and the fixtures sort of, and that's, that's the ones we've sort of mentioned earlier, Everton, Leicester and Aston Villa. They're, they're all good attacking teams and they've all got, good couple of fixtures in between those four so Everton's got Newcastle Leeds um, Villa have got you know the Brightons the West Ham Southamptons that, that I think it's those fixtures nothing stands out in particular but those four uh, in in all in in, in the four is, is they're okay and Grealish looks so good against um, oh I forget how well, he looks good against everyone I don't even he did. He nearly <laughs> scored that sun goal, didn't he? Just walk, run from the halfway line and nearly scored. He looked excellent. Um, Leicester, I know a lot of people are eyeing up Madison and Harvey Barnes and Leeds and Fulham up next. I can see why. It just puts me off with not having a recognised try. Well, Vardy, not having Vardy fit is, is the, the, the worry. But I like Harvey Barnes. I think he's, he's ticking it. And I probably would have gone for him if... I think he's probably third choice actually after Grealish and James Rodriguez for me because his stats are good. We looked at that player, those player stats at the start. Three big chances, plenty of small chances. Looks very threatening um, against Everton. So I thought I probably I changed my mind quite a few times about Madison and Barnes. They're just different kind of players. Barnes is the more direct, threatening guy. Mm -hmm. Madison likes to have the three kicks. He's got great technique, but they tend to be more spectacular efforts. So Harvey Barnes is a good shout. I think you can't go wrong. Um, I had in my video earlier in the week, Christian Pulisic, but um, as we say with Chelsea, watching brief, and I'm not even sure he starts most mm -hmm. games, but if, if Tuchel can get the best out of him, then he could be he could be great. He could be great, especially when the four fixtures coming up for Chelsea, Burnley, Sheffield United. And Seb, any, any thoughts about those uh, next four fixtures? I mean, I think you've covered the teams pretty well there. So the thing that jumps out to me is looking at captaincy going ahead. Man City, Sheffield United, Burnley, that's probably easy enough. Mm. You could, you know, discuss it in detail and go elsewhere, but there's some good options. Game week 23, they've got Liverpool. Yeah. Man United, Everton. I think you probably need some Tottenham players for 23. Mm -hmm. West Brom at home. We saw on your graphs earlier, Ted, how that might be very, very tasty. And we've just seen Kane go off injured. Now, 23 is a long way away. But it's Kane's ankle I was reading, which I think he's had problems with in the past. So complete speculation here. You know, he's, he only went off 20 minutes ago. But if there's no Kane, is there basically only one option that I'd be very, very happy with for captaining in that week? The other one, maybe Antonio away at mm. Fulham? 
Yeah, I think looking at that as well. Yeah, I think you're right. West West Brom at home, twenty three. I mean, I, that, that's why I got Kane in. I actually got Vardy in for these originally for these fixtures for the Leeds, Fulham, Wolves games coming up. Um, I got rid of Vardy because he got injured with his well had a hernia operation um, for Kane, and so Kane's off injured. That's a, it's another a, a, you know short to medium term captain option gone, uh, but Son. Is the yeah I agree would be the runaway runaway leader there. Looking at that, I can't I can't see any other options really for the captaincy. Yeah, so I think I probably would be looking at getting Son in at some point. Um, let's move on to um a differential to pick. Um, just before we do that, um, just to mention that we can you can sign up to Football Index today. They've got a seven day five hundred pound money back guarantee, and there's a link in the description below to sign up. So there's a link to check out the full terms and conditions. This is for 18 plus only. Please gamble responsibly. You can check out begambleaware.org and there's a link for this in the description as well. So we've had Cancelo, Gundogan, Antonio and Cash, who's yet to bring in the money for you, Seb, um, as our last differentials. But it's a Ted's turn. So who is the best low-owned 5% or under gem for the next four matches? Are you about Joe, to tell me another just goal? Just before we jump into that, I am desperate to tell you who scored a goal. Kane? <laughs> off off the bench. Um, oh, it's, no, it's better. It's better than that. Mane, you, you can Mane. Yeah, Mane scored. He's got one goal and three assists. Trent Alexander-Arnold assist. Well, I'm happy. Wow, that's yeah, yeah, he's got that's... two assists. You mean because uh, the third one was chalked off, or has, has he scored more? Oh no, good point. Sorry, yes, yeah. got carried away. Two I'm, assists. I'm, one I'm goal, not complaining. Alexander-Arnold. Um, now, and looking at, I mean, just this match, but I think he's had about five shots as well. He's he's deserved this. Salah's had one or two. This is this is one of those um, one of those moments where I think a lot of people uh, with captain hindsight would go, oh, I really wish I captain Mane. Mane was never in my thoughts to captain. I'm just happy to have him. <laughs> it's a good thing two days ago we didn't talk about Liverpool's underperformance, right? Yeah, this is <laughs> this is really good. Okay, so um, going back to my, I don't know what I'm on now uh, in terms of, but my my absolutely dire score earlier of 26 is now much more um so i think i've i've breached i've breached the 45 or so mark so i'm i'm entered i'm entering average respectability and i'll take that i'll take that definitely um yeah ted a differential i'm just checking Mane's ownership so i can choose him damn it seven percent no i can't only only seven percent though unbelievable I, people are sick of me saying the word dullard, so I've got a new <laughs> I've got a new way of describing the way I play. Crate Digger on Twitter earlier called my style of play. Well, this is in general, lots of people's style of play. Beige upside chasing. <laughs> I'm, a, <laughs> I'm slight improvement chasing. So Mane for me at seven at uh, at seven percent ownership in the top ten k is actually only owned by less than three percent of pit managers around me in the rankings. Um, that's like that's that's definitely beige upside chasing. Is that <laughs> is that better? That beige, not, it doesn't sound. Just people are sick of me saying dullard, so I'm just going to say I'm a beige upside <laughs> like, chaser for a while. It's like hunting so, for talk, a better sofa in DFS, isn't yeah. it? It's just. Yeah. It's not very exciting, but you can we get had, a good deal. We had cream. I think we'll get eggshell white. Yeah. <laughs> All the uh, flavours hey, be, of beige. 
Joe, Joe, if it gets your points, what, what are you saying the other night? You've never finished outside the top 100k? It works. You know, know. take it, carry on and win. Oh, my God. And um, anyway, I'm really excited. I'm very excited by this. And we keep interrupting you, Tim, Ted, with all this amazing um, upside chasing definitions. So who is your differential for Gaming 21? I was going to go for Luke Shaw, but because he's he's fairly lowly owned, 2.2%, mm. but uh, we've talked about him quite a lot. So I'm going to go for um, Aston Villa's Bertrand Traore, 0.6% owned, 5.9 million, pretty understated player. But before game week 20, he had the most attacking returns out of all midfielders in the league. More than Bruno, mm -hmm. more than KDB. Five attacking returns in the previous six matches. I think Saka has now overtaken him for, for that after game week 20. But it just, it really surprised me that he'd be, he's been so, so successful. And he has been overperforming to a certain extent. I think his, his XGI delta was plus 2.4 goals. So definitely overperforming but it shows a lot of confidence to score that many goals a lot of uh, clinical finishing uh, he's a hundred percent big chance conversion uh four big chances plus big chances created and villa look a really good attacking side and he loves to shoot virtual try i was watching him uh against burnley and he's just he loves that left foot shot he's on free kicks i think he's on corners as well the good thing about not having Grealish is that Grealish doesn't really like the responsibility of taking too many free kicks or indeed penalties. And Bertrand Traore really steps up. So if you are very, very maverick, then I would I would consider him because his finishes aren't too Did you watch maverick. it last? Did you watch the scout cast last week? Because <laughs> Seba, Seba was uh, quite scathing about Traore. I, I really like those numbers. I really <laughs> like those numbers. But what it says to me, and hey, maybe that's why he's a good pick now, it's like his good season at Leon, where he had these sort of numbers for a while. He, like you said, he overperformed and then he fell off a cliff to the point where they were delighted to get rid of him. Now, you know, don't hate him as a player by any means. In fact, he's been pretty decent for Aston Villa. I'm just worried about there's that cliff edge that might come. And it wasn't yeah. just, you know, underperformance. He just disappeared. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's the same with Madison right now. I, I think the players that are really overperforming, I like to use the analogy, you you can surf the wave of overperformance before it crashes, before it inevitably crashes, because it's going to be a good wave for a short amount of time, and then you just have to get off, because it's not going to it's not going to last. Um, so yeah, I think it maybe two or three more game weeks, maybe, but after that, probably not an option and hey uh, he only needs to be good for four weeks for you so fair enough that's possibly my biggest concern isn't a problem to you yeah absolutely uh hopefully we all forget about this pick if he if he completely the thing is I, I gave my opinion on Troy last week he just because because he looks so fabulous and there's something about Troy's whenever they score they just look, look fabulous so um yeah I'm, I'm okay with that it's not not for me um I've got enough I've got enough issues um, to look at, and of which let's let's move on to that before we sign off. Um, so here is my team. So I have uh, currently my bus team: uh, Edison in goal, uh, Justin against Leeds, Stones against Sheffield United, Mitchell against Wolves, and then I've got Suchek, who I'm just going to play every week now. <laughs> uh, Mane, Fernandez, and Salah, Kane, captain Antonio, and Bamford. Um, on the bench, I have Steer, Dallas, Kufal and Stevens. So obviously Kane possibly won't be my captain now um, unless I get some news. I'm, I'm certainly, even if we get those sort of he might be fit, might not be, 
that's too risky for the captaincy for me. Son is probably the standout against Brighton, but I don't know. Maybe I need to look elsewhere. I need to look at the opportunity. Mane's 15 points, I believe he's going to be getting me tonight. Um, certainly makes me think maybe I should be keeping him because, uh, but there's that recency bias. In which case, do I move to Son? Maybe I look elsewhere. Um, I've certainly got Kane and Bamford who I don't want. Maybe I should just go Calvert-Lewin and Watkins and just have some money in the bank and decide next week. Um, Good moves. I think, I think um, this might be a case of having to be slightly different with the captaincy and at the same time um, just fix fix issues, fix issues, I think. Uh, that means I'll be going without Son, which I'm not happy about in Brighton. And I will be always cheering Brighton on, but I shall be in fantasy world definitely cheering them on. I don't know, I'm looking at my team there in terms of benches and, I mean, it's a, it's a bus team as it is. Um but I think that would probably be my best move. Have you, have you got one or two transfers? I've only got one, so I'd have to be a hit. Okay, so because so, I'm thinking, obviously Kane down, Son in for a midfielder, even Stevens, but maybe not uh, even Stevens. Um, yeah. You probably wouldn't be happy to take a minus four for that. Um, I can. I'm. I'm looking at. I mean, what I can do is I can do Dale Stevens to Son, and I could do Kane to a a fodder striker. Oh, would it have to be? I was hoping you might be able to squeeze like a, I can a get DCL to, in there. I can get to six okay. million um, if I took What's another Watkins, hit. What's Watkins? 6.2, 6.1? Don't know. 6.1, I, I think. 6.1, I'm going to be 0.1 <laughs> short for that one, um, which would be nice. But then I'm still left with Bamford, who I don't really want. So would I you think, consider losing Suchek? I think what I would probably do, no. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe actually, maybe. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I think I'd rather have Saka. But then yeah. I've bent Sujek for all his points. So um, what do I know? I don't want to bore the listeners and the viewers with me thinking, looking at my team behind the scenes, thinking, oh, can I get there? And basically, I've got a decision to make. Lots of fantasy football managers have. Um, and tomorrow, listen out for Andy and Neil's uh, team talk uh, for more on uh, what's going to be happening with Harry Kane there. Let's move on to you, Ted. you got Martinez in goal, Cancelo. Uh, Chilwell, Luke Dean, Gundogan, Fernandez, Son, Captain, Salah, Rodriguez, Antonio, and Calvert Lewin. And on your bench, you've got McCarthy, Adams, Dallas, and Kufau. You've already taken a minus eight. You don't have to worry about Kane. Happy days. I'm very, very relieved. And I really like that the look of that team on paper. Mm. Um, relieved by the fact that I didn't. Uh, make an early transfer just because of the price rise to Harry Kane yeah. to do Bamford to Kane for free last night. And that's the risk about early transfers, isn't it? That, <laughs> you know, you're always going to well, suffer potential yeah. injury issues if, they, if they're if they playing. Um, so yeah, I've taken a minus eight for Everton. On paper, Newcastle at home is an excellent fixture. So I really need them to come through to make that minus eight, um, you know, worth it. Um, they have a couple of good fixtures after that, but on paper, it looks looks great. Uh, I might change the captaincy from Son. Not 100%. The injury to Kane makes Son less of a good option um, because most of Son's goals have come from through Kane assists. So I might move it back to Salah or I might even stretch the boat out and, and captain Calvert-Lewin, but it's probably a bit a bridge too far, okay. potentially. Okay, so decisions made. So ho- hopefully no one else gets injured and you're all set. Now, Seb... 
Uh, you've got Martinez in goal. We've got a 4-4-2 with Robertson, Cancelo, Stones and uh, Eric Dyer. <laughs> uh, Salah, Fernandes, Saka, Son captain. So you haven't got that problem to worry about. Antonio Watkins up front. And then on your bench, you've got Bamford, Kilman, uh, Suchek um, and uh, Sanchez. Um, so strong bench. Um, but are you not making any move, I, I guess? I... Bamford is on the bench comfortably, so maybe he stays there. I like the idea of DCL. I like the idea of Dyer to, yeah. to Dean, but maybe maybe not this week. I'm not sure. Saka against Man United doesn't excite me that much, but then Liverpool Suchek. I'm probably looking at getting either Gundogan, DCL, or Luca Dean, and we'll see if that takes me a hit or what have you, but I'm probably not stretching outside of that pool. And then captain on Son at the moment. I need to go back and look at Ted's uh, graphics to see yeah. the big chances Brighton concede. Like you say, without Kane, it's less attractive, but yeah. it's probably him or Salah in my team. Yeah, in my in my head, um, Spurs without Kane, someone steps up and it's been Son recently, I think, but we haven't been without Kane for a while. So um, yeah, it's something I would look at as well. And I'm, I'm um, yeah, I may I may have to do without Son. We possibly okay. haven't had a Kane injury or a significant injury no. since we've had this ridiculous Kane and Son partnership. Like, no. I know they've played well together through their whole career, but since it's been this outrageous assisting to goals between the two of them, I don't think we've had a Kane injury. So we possibly haven't seen how that would change Son's play. Okay, so we've got some decisions to make. Um, and But we, um, as usual, um, with uh, a video um, podcast, um, the content changes uh, because of injuries, at least this time they had uh, Kane had the uh, good grace to get injured during the show rather than about two hours after we've just recorded it. Um, so at least we've got that. I am in the mood for a new captain next week. Um, uh, Ted is uh, was in the mood for some toffees and he's gone for it. And Seb is um, still a bit undecided, but I think he's got a great team and he's got he's got bench choices there. He's got got options. Um, but in the meantime. Um, Good luck, everyone, with your game week. Um, I've had a better game week than I thought I would, um, but still not great, but it'll do. Uh, but in the meantime, it's goodbye from me. Yeah, say goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye, all. Goodbye.